Hello, Mrs. F1. Hello, Mr. F1. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. For those of you, obviously, who are just listening to our podcast, you can't see us, but this is, in fact, our first ever video podcast we're putting up. And that's because Matt and I are in separate places, actually separate states. Matt, you want to tell the people why that is? Yeah, I, uh, I got a job in Boston, so I packed up and moved this week from Pittsburgh. And now we're 700 miles away from each other. It's so crazy. You're so far away. I know. It's so, yeah, Matt, we, well, I will be joining Matt shortly in a couple of months. Um, but yeah, like Matt said, he's got an amazing job and it required him to be in Boston ASAP. So I'm over here packing up our entire home and Matt's living in his one bedroom apartment. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh, it's so weird. We've been married six years and mm -hmm. it's so weird being apart. For those of you that don't know us, we actually started our relationship long distance. Um, we were like that for what, four, four, three years? Something yeah, three like years. Yeah. So it's like we're back to dating again, which is so <laughs> weird. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Today we are talking about the Singapore Grand Prix. Um, I felt like we had a whole nother summer break. We haven't put out an episode in a couple weeks because of our busy lives, but also there's been no racing. There was a long gap. I think the Russian Grand Prix was supposed to be in between, right? So once that got booted off the calendar, that's what gave us kind of a, a longer break. Yes, the Russian GP was supposed to be last week, but obviously that had been canceled due to um, political reasons. Uh, so we had a longer break than anticipated, but honestly, I think it benefited the drivers. They were probably thankful for it because this race is demanding in every single way possible. Yeah, well, definitely Alex was grateful for it because, you know, he had surgery before the last race and Nick DeVries did an awesome job stepping in. But I think uh, the, the longer break helped Alex able to, you know, get it just become healthy enough to race again, which was awesome to see him back. So. Right. That was, it, it was like crazy to think. And they pointed it out during the race today, like less than a week, week and a half, Alex Albon was on a ventilator at this moment. And now he's in yeah. a race car. Just think about that for a second. Yeah. These guys are freak athletes. Right. He had an appendectomy and had complications with the anesthesia, which caused him, they had trouble, uh, problems resuscitating him, which is just crazy. Um, and Matt, you've had an appendectomy. You know what that recovery is like. Yeah, it's not fun. Uh, <laughs> I could not imagine driving. I mean, the physicality of driving an F1 car ever, but, you know, let alone a week and a half after you had your abdominal muscles poked through, you know, that's wild. Yeah, it is pretty crazy, but happy to see him back and also just amazed at the same time. Um, because when they do the appendectomy, they cut through your abdomen, your abs. So basically... Like you, Matt, you know what that's like. You can't even, it's hard to sit up. So yeah. I can't imagine using your core muscles right now to keep yourself stable in the car. Like, holy crap. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it is wild. It's a crazy. But before we jump into the just all craziness of the Singapore Grand Prix this week, uh, there was a couple of bits of news that came out during our little F1 hiatus. One being um, some driver news. Yuki Sonoda has re-signed with AlphaTauri. I don't know. I was kind of surprised by this, Matt. I don't know how you felt about it. 
Yeah, I was a bit surprised by it. He he started the season well. He hasn't really been doing, you know, as good as he was at the beginning. But I, I think at the end of the day, Red Bull is just they don't have the the glaring talent in the pipeline underneath to replace Yuki. So at the end of the day, I think it makes sense to keep him around, give him one more year. And if not, you know, see if they can replace him with Liam Lawson or Isaac Hadjar or one of their uh, junior drivers. Yeah, I agree with you too. I think they've also invested a lot in him at this point when it comes to developing him as a driver. And I I don't know, in my eyes, I thought for sure he was gone, especially how long it kind of took to get him signed. Um, because he hasn't been performing great this year in, in the media, even like Helmut Marco hasn't been talking very positively about him. So I thought, okay, maybe this is it. And they're just going to take a chance on someone younger. But I think maybe this is kind of like the last chance for Yuki next year to prove himself. And if they don't see any improvement, um, I don't see him in that Alpha Tauri seat for 2024. No, I agree. I think, like I said, I, I think that the real reason is that they don't have a front runner in their junior driver development program to, um, you know, replace him. But maybe by the end of next year, they have somebody kicking the door down. And and uh, if Yuki doesn't perform, I, I'm sure Helmet will be really quick to replace him with the, the nice new young thing that, you know, he Helmet likes Marco to. Yeah. Loves his shiny new objects. Exactly. <laughs> Um, speaking of possible empty seats, it has now been confirmed that our boy Gotifi is leaving Williams. Gotifi's gone. R.I.P. Gotifi and Williams. I mean, I wasn't surprised by this. I don't think anyone was surprised no, by it. Nobody was surprised by it. The only reason I thought that he would stick around is because he has a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I guess Williams was sick of not scoring points. So um I, I think it's an obvious choice that they should have went for DeVries, but now it sounds like DeVries might sign with Alpha Tauri if, if Pierre moves. So who knows what's, what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks in these uh, final F1 seats. Yeah, I mean, DeVries' performance in that Williams in the last race definitely did not help Latifi's cause. No. Um, but yeah, I don't think anyone was surprised by this. I wasn't, you weren't. Um, do you think, dare I ask this question? Do you think anyone else dare pick up Nicholas Latifi for 2023? No, God, no. (laughs) Unless Haas is really in need of some money and they don't want to sign Mick, you know, but even then I I just can't see teams thinking this guy's worth it. Even though he brings the money to the table, he just has not performed ever in F1. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think we'll see Nicholas Latifi in an F1 car or even any car for that matter <laughs> um, after the season. Uh, so yeah, not surprising, but he'll be leaving, which leaves a vacant seat, which seems to be the only vacant seat left in Formula One, I believe well, for next year. I think it all depends on how the rest of the cookies crumble, right? We know that there's, if Pierre does leave um, Alpha Tower and goes to Alpine, then um, you know, there's the Alpha Tower seat that's open, but the rumors are that Nick DeVries is in line for that. If that is the case, then that, that's the last seat that, that needs to be filled. And um, I guess, you know, we, we also have to talk about Mick because it sounds like Haas is not too thrilled with him and he might even have to fight just to 
keep a, his F1 dreams alive. But, you know, I think if, there really is two seats open if we're counting Mick, but I, I would be shocked if Haas doesn't re-sign him. And, you know, from that point, it's like, all right, who was Williams going to grab for that last seat? So things are starting to look good for Logan Sargent, but there's also talk of Nico Hulkenberg coming back. So it'll be really interesting to see what, what these teams decide to do. Um, you know, these, the, the musical chairs of, of F1 seats, see how they get filled. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you brought Mick up because yes, obviously um, that seat is open at Williams. No one's really sure who's going to take it at the moment. There's lots of speculation around Haas, as you brought up. Um, it sounds like, and I, I read a quote this re- uh, this week from Gunter Steiner actually saying, I don't know what's going on with Mick. His people aren't talking to us and we're not talking to him. So I don't understand what's happening. And this is kind of puzzling to me. Like, what is going on that Mick is so willing to almost like be okay with not being in Formula One next year? Uh, It's weird. And then there's rumors that it's kind of between him and Nico Hulkenberg, which I think is weird too, because we know Nico and Magnuson do not get along together at all. I think that would be really detrimental to the team morale and Mm -hmm. the vibe at the team to put two guys in those cars that frankly just don't like each other. Now, again, that was years ago when they were driving with each other. Maybe they're on better terms now that they're not competitors anymore, but I I don't know. What are your thoughts on if they put Nico Hulkenberg in that seat at Haas? Uh, That to me, I've I've heard them that rumor flying around. I just don't see that happening. Like you said, the, the relationship between those two guys is not great. It's pretty well known. I mean, to me, what I think happened is that Mick was hopeful he was going to get that Alpha Towery seat um, and then be able to bide his time and hopefully perform well enough to get the Red Bull seat once Checo is gone. But I don't, I, I think that Alpha Towery saw Nick DeVries perform well in that Williams and they want him more. And that yeah. puts Mick in a really tough spot. He almost like he was counting on a seat. Now that it's gone, Haas is like, well, you didn't really want to be with us in the first place. So maybe we should look outside. Right. Absolutely. And there, and I forgot to mention, actually, there is an open seat still besides Haas and Alpha Tauri possibly is Alpine. Um, they still haven't found a driver to drive next to Estevan Ocon, but it's pretty much well known at this point that Nick DeVries will sign with Alpha Tauri. It sounds like actually I've seen in like some reporters are saying the deal's actually already signed. It's done. Um, and then Pierre Gasly will move to Alpine to pair with Esteban Ocon. And we've talked about this before, but Esteban's pretty been pretty vocal about how he would like Mick to be his teammate. So yeah, interesting. There's still a couple of pieces let like left out there to be put into the puzzle for next year's season, but I was a little surprised by the Yuki news. So we'll kind of see where that leaves everybody. And I really hope I see Mick next year. I think that would be a shame. Um, It was kind of funny because during the race today, George was stuck behind Mick for a period of time. And he was saying, this guy is racing like it's his last race ever or like racing his the car off the track. And I was like, yeah, because he's probably trying to prove why he deserves that seat right now still deserves to be an f1 yeah exactly yeah he's very much racing for his career the rest of these races of this season so it's it's interesting you know rumors are rumors but i guess we'll see how it plays out in the next coming weeks any predictions you think 
you have well, about this? I, I think it depends on on what happens with those other seats. You know, if in my opinion, if like what we were saying before, DeVries signs with Alpha Tauri, Pierre moves over to Alpine. Um, and let's just say for argument's sake that Haas decide to go with a different driver other than Mick. I would be shocked if all of those things being the case that Williams wouldn't try and sign Mick. Because mm. um, I know they have Logan, they, they like him, but he still doesn't have enough super license points and he needs to guarantee that he finishes, I think, fifth or higher in F2 in order to have enough super license points. And I think at that point, Williams might say, hey, this is the best available driver, uh, which I do believe to be true. I like Logan, but I think he needs a bit more development in F2. That, that would be my guess if those things happen. But I think that Mick is going to end up staying at Haas and, and Williams will, you know, they'll figure something out, whether it's Nico, whether it's Logan, whether it's somebody else to fill that seat. Yeah, I agree with you. I do too. And um, only time will tell what's going to happen with these remaining seats. So it's like mm -hmm. the Hunger Games. Best of luck, all you competitors. <laughs> Hope you get a seat <laughs> next year. Um, let's talk about another big piece of news that came out over our little, I'm going to call it like mini, mini fall break. That's what it felt like. It felt like a, a whole nother break. Um, yeah. The 2023 calendar has officially been set in stone and released by the FIA, and this has set a lot of people on fire. Um, there are a lot of races on this calendar for next year. They are packing mm -hmm. them in. I believe 23 in total. It's going to be most ever, is it not? Yeah. Yes. Um, normally in a season, we have 21, 21 races, um, but obviously that number has been growing over the years with the huge popularity in the U.S. growing and the demand for more races in the U.S. or in and around the U.S., um, what are your thoughts on twenty-three races for next year? It's yeah, it might be too much, especially with the logistics of moving the whole F1 carnival from country to country. I think it would make more sense if if the the organization of cities kind of made sense. They went from east to west or west to east, or whatever, to to make it as little travel as possible but you know at the end of the day they're just they, they want to make the money i understand it and going to a place like vegas and racing down the strip is a really good way to do that yes and we all know that race has been heavily anticipated on the announcement of when it would be and that race will be the actually the second to last race but what kind of baffled my mind the most is that race is happening on november 18th and then abu dhabi happens November 26th that wow we're gonna go from Vegas to Abu Dhabi that's a quick turnaround for those teams and two very well I guess not very different climates or but they're two very different circuits but it's just a matter of getting all the teams from point a to point b so quickly I, I was actually quite surprised by that yeah and f1 has mastered that and they, they have a really cool video on how they kind of move that whole carnival to each city um, but that is a tall task we do know that the the vegas race is a saturday race um so they have an extra day to to make it over to abu dhabi but um it is a tall order and i remember i think it was during maybe tr um testing in, in barcelona 
um, because it was so quick after another event, Haas was like waiting on parts and they didn't arrive in time. And I mean, teams have to worry about that when the, the turnaround times and the, and the distance is so great. Um, I'm sure they'll figure it out. And hopefully we have something like last year where those two races actually matter. And, you know, the points are down to the wire like it was for Lewis and Max in 2021. But I mean, you know, as of right now, Max is probably going to clinch, you know, next weekend, if not for sure, the following one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I was actually shocked that we weren't hearing more comments from the drivers about this because I remember it being talked about in the beginning of the season when the head of F1 said, well, we would love as many races as possible. I think Sergio Perez said like, I wouldn't race if there were 23 races, right? He said that, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I haven't heard a peep out of him since this came out. So I, I mean, obviously when rubber meets the road, some of these guys may be like, well, it's either that or I lose my job, which yeah. sounds ridiculous. And Sergio Perez is kind of in a great situation right now with Red Bull. But I think this is going to just really be interesting more on the side of the racing. We have more races, which means obviously more opportunities for guys to grab points. It could make the championship a little bit more interesting, a little bit more dicey. Um, the adding of Las Vegas and like some new tracks we haven't been to before again can spice things up when it comes to the championship race and the constructors championship um but also i'm just really curious to see if the drivers how they're physically going to feel about 23 races like what they're doing right now is already a lot on their bodies they already don't have a ton of time off as it is um when you factor in the summer break and um the off time so yeah I like I said I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard more guys this week saying like this is ridiculous <laughs> um but yeah okay. it, it is too taxing I think and unfortunately that's the case with a lot of sports where I think they they make their athletes play too many games and it's all again for the money which is understandable but it, it will be tough on the drivers and it, it already is tough for them to do 20 21 races so it will be interesting if somebody like Checo actually stays by their word and says, hey, hey, this is too much. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. Yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, I can't as a fan, I'm excited for more racing, but also I can't lie. When I saw the calendar, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> that's that's a lot <laughs> like it for the drivers and for us <laughs> mm -hmm. selfishly. I was thinking that. But yeah, I mean great announcements i'm happy to see you know the popularity of f1 growing and the need for more races um but we'll see if anybody has anything more to say about this as the weeks go on and maybe some questions are asked let's get into the singapore grand prix i made a joke on my tiktok i was like dear f1 admins if you have if you need a caption for your post today, you can call it Sparks and Spray, a Singapore race story. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. I think this is probably the most spicy Singapore race we've had in a while because um, we often don't have a lot of weather here. Yeah, it, we haven't seen the race since pre-COVID. So it's good to see that the street circuit again. It's a very beautiful track and beautiful city. Um, but, uh, you know, it as soon leading up to the, the the race everyone saw the weather reports and you know that, that's always bound to spice things up as well 
raining during qualifying and during the race. Um, it made it, well, I, I mean, I thought it made it more interesting, but when you kind of look at the results at the end of the race, it wasn't too shocking, um, you know, what you'd expect to see in a rainy race, some random person, you know, uh, scoring more points than expected but uh it, it was a very interesting race and you could tell the drivers it was it's so tough on them i mean it's a it's a tough circuit there's no wiggle room you know you make a mistake you're in a wall you're an entire barrier so it, it just requires so much focus yeah a lot of the drivers and i was actually listening to another podcast with mika hakkinen talking about this track specifically and how it is one of the most mentally and physically demanding tracks you will ever drive drive on um the heat and the humidity in in singapore is something of legend mm -hmm. um and you're already in a very hot running vehicle and a very hot race suit and a helmet and you're trying to keep yourself cool we saw drivers doing drastic things when it came to training um like putting exercise bikes in saunas and literally like riding their bike full force in a sauna it's it's crazy what these guys do to get their bodies conditioned for this one race out of the whole season yeah this in um, malaysia are the, are the toughest i mean humidity is constantly like 80 percent or more ugh. and of course it's unbelievably hot because it's almost on the equator so it's it's so taxing for these guys i think lewis said one time he lost like four or five kilos in the race just yeah. probably sweating everything out. Yeah, this race is known for like drivers actually to lose the most weight. And it's also one of, if not, I think the longest race on the calendar, which is even crazier. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you're in that car longer than normal, just because the nature of the track is one of the longest tracks. It's also a slower track just because of the street circuit, the tight corners. And it was even slower <laughs> because of the wet. The rain. Yeah, exactly. And that was the whole reason why the track was taking so long to dry out um, was because of the climate there. It's humid. So the, the track, I think only we only started to see a defined dry line on this track come halfway through, mm -hmm. which is kind of mm -hmm. insane to think about. And we even saw in qualifying, they had similar conditions, not as bad as today, um, but they were having similar problems. Now, I think this spiced up things on the side when it came to tire strategy. What were your initial thoughts? Did you ever think they would go on to slicks at any point? Because the track was wet. <laughs> yeah, especially in, in qualies. I, I really didn't think we were ever going to touch slicks. And it kind of reminded me of the race that you and I attended. So when we went to Canada, um, the, the qualifying was pretty much all in the wet. And I don't know if you remember, but George decided to put on slicks right at the end. And, you know, everybody in the grandstand lost their mind. It was I, I was expecting to see something like that. Um, but they all went out at the beginning of Q3 on their slick tires and, and, uh, they were able to get it done, but it was, yeah, it, you know, it's just a recipe for disaster. And, and, you know, obviously in the race we had six DNFs. So, um, that stuff tends to happen when you get a lot of rain. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I, I also thought like we'd never see slicks. But like you mentioned, George Russell, the brave soul that he is, well, he was already in last, first of all. So he was like, what do I have to lose? Throw him on there, guys. Let's yep. do this. And it was rough going for him when he first came out on those. But after a while, the track started to develop, dry up a little bit more. And then he was able to get get some heat in them. And mm -hmm. they seemed to work really well. And that's when we saw people when um, 
the 400th safety car came out. Um, <laughs> everybody went on slicks. It was like a mad dash. Mediums, mostly everybody put on, but some mm-hmm. people put on softs. And Max marched through the field on his softs, um, you know, passing Seb on the last lap. But mm-hmm. it is that the call by George, I, I, it's so interesting because if you time it right, you know, it can be fantastic and you can gain, you know, multiple, you can gain 20 seconds on a lap. Um, the issue is that if you make that call too early, now you're sliding around losing time. And the second you start to gain time, everyone else sees that data too. Right. So now you're already, you've already lost all that time trying to get the tires up to temp. And as soon as your lap times look good, now everyone else is diving into the pits and really you're not gaining anything. So it was a risky strategy by, by George and I respect him for it, but they, I'm sure they knew the risks and they knew like, look, if this is too early, he's going to be slipping and sliding and, and we're going to gain no advantage. And unfortunately for him, he finished either dead last or, or second to last. I don't, I don't remember um, of all the people who finished. Yeah. He finished last actually yeah. in, mm-hmm. but that was 14th place. Uh, before we go into like some more logistics, I just feel like we need to talk about some things up front. Because we had, well, first let's go into Max Verstappen's race this weekend. Really, he could clinch the championship this weekend. He would have had to win the race and Charles Leclerc would have had to finish in ninth or lower. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the opposite happened. In qualifying, he just got really unlucky. The team made a mistake in the calculations of the fuel he needed. Mm -hmm. And on his last flying lap, had to pit and qualified eighth. Yikes. Yeah, they, they did not set him up well. It's a shame because he, I, I don't think he would have had pole, but he would have been close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Max starting from second instead of starting from eighth, that, that, that's a totally different monster. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think we actually, for once, saw Max make a mistake at the start of the race. And, you know, I honestly, I can't even remember the last time I've seen Max make a bad mistake, but his start was terrible got mm-hmm. anti-stall, got passed by three people before turn one. Yeah, he was in 12th place before turn two, I believe. Mm-hmm. I remember I was watching, obviously we watched separately because we're not together. Um, and I was like, my mouth was just like gaping open because I was like, oh my God, he's he's literally plummeting down the pack. Mm-hmm. And as if his weekend couldn't get any worse, it literally got worse. Um, but if there's one driver that can march himself through the pack and even this track you can pass on, but it is tricky. You really need mm-hmm. to be so careful about it and you kind of have to be patient and wait. Um, I thought, okay, yes, he's all the way down there. This could be really difficult, but if there's anybody that could do it, it's him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't, he just did not have a great race. He was stuck behind Fernando Alonso for a while. God bless that man. No offense <laughs> to Max Verstappen's fans, but like, I was like, yes, Alonso. <laughs> like if anyone's going to hold him up, it's going to be him. Um, but unfortunately he took himself out of contention by DNFing. Um, but I mean, Max had a, I don't, I don't know. It was just kind of like a eh race for him. It wasn't, he got stuck in a lot of traffic, which didn't help. Yeah. The track conditions didn't help. Do you think, like, what do you think about his race today? Well, I think, I think Singapore is a tough place to overtake anyway. That's why the last two races, we saw a ton of people taking penalties because they knew, oh, this is an overtake heavy track. Nobody wanted to take penalties. Um, the only person who did was George. That's because he qualified so poorly. Mercedes just figured, well, we'll, 
do an engine replacement and we'll take the penalty. Yeah. Um, I, I think from the start, it would have been tough to expect Max to go eighth to first. I think he could have done it, but because Singapore is a tough track to overtake on, um, it was a tall task. And of course that, that start just, it, it ruined the plans, but still, you know, on, on paper, you see that he qualified eighth and finished, I think sixth, you know, that might not look seventh. Mm -hmm. So he only gained one place from the start, but if you really watched his race and especially those last 20 minutes, he was, he was marching and he, he passed Lewis, um, at the very end, he passed Seb, who's the, you know, the lion of Singapore. He, he had himself a good end of the race, but it was, um, unfortunately undone by the poor qualifying and the bad start. Yeah. I think a lot of drivers were victim to the, not just the track this weekend, obviously, like we said, without the water on the track is incredibly demanding. You are getting so close to those barriers and walls and one little misstep can be the end of your game. And with the water on the track, it just makes it even harder and harder. We saw guys just sliding around like Mm -hmm. on ice skates, even on inter tires. Um, It was crazy. But another driver, I think that just didn't have a great race where it could have been better for him was Lewis Hamilton. Oh yeah, absolutely. Being starting, you know, third and finishing where he did eighth. That's, that's rough. I understand, you know, he it's, it's a wet race, so it's tough, but he, he did it to himself by, you know, going straight on. And I think he did it actually at a couple of corners um, just coming in too hot on a wet track and, you know, made a mistake and he, he apologized to the team, but, at the end of the day, it's we're seeing a more human Lewis Hamilton this year. Yeah, I think that's such a great way to put it. A more human Lewis Hamilton. He finished in ninth, by the way, right behind Sebastian Vettel um, in eighth. But yeah, I he was making mistakes. And I think we're so we're not used to seeing that. I think Lewis was just being a little bit more risky. We saw, especially toward the last 20 minutes of that race, when he was him, Seb, and Max were all battling for seventh place. He went on some of those wet lines. He took those chances and said, mm, maybe I can, which at the end of the day didn't do him any good. He put his car into the barriers and had to have his wing completely, you know, replaced, which just took up and ate up more time. It just wasn't a great day for him. And because he qualified third, which is his best qualifying this year, by the way, um, I was kind of hoping I would see him up there on the podium. Um, but it just wasn't meant to be. I think he just was taking these chances that he shouldn't Mm -hmm. have been. Um, nobody else, everyone was staying off that wet line. Everyone knew like, as soon as you get on it, it's, it's game over. I think at the end of the day, maybe Lewis's thought process is I have zero shot at a championship. Like, you know, that that's out of reach. So why not just take these risks, Hmm. right? Like what, what is there to lose? You know, he's, he's in sixth place or something like that in driver's championship. He's not going to do any damage. You know, why not try and jump some places and, you know, see if you can nab a win or something like that. But obviously it backfired for him today. Yeah. Another, there are six people at DNF in this entire race, which helped a lot of people out, but it was due to a lot of what we were saying, like the just misjudging corners, breaking a little too late and your car locks up or just skids right over those water, you know, those puddles. We had Yuki Sonoda, Esteban Ocon, Alexander Albon, Fernando Alonso, Nicholas Latifi, and Guan Yuzhou, all DNFing. That's mm-hmm. a lot of DNFs. And I think a team that took advantage of all of that this weekend was McLaren. What a great result 
for mm-hmm. McLaren in this race, but not just McLaren, Daniel Ricardo. Like, thank the heavens he's finished in the top 10. <laughs> uh, you know, I think he was more opportunistic than anything. You know, I, it helped that both Alpines were out. Um, but at the beginning of the week, everyone thought that this trek heavily favored the Alpine and that they were going to increase their points gap, you know, in the, in the constructors championship. And now I believe McLaren jumped them Yeah, because I can both of their, look. both of their cars DNF, both of the Alpine cars DNF and, and McLaren scored so well that it's, it's just wild how that worked out that McLaren was like, Oh, you know, here, here's another week of underperforming, but Lando Lando drove incredibly absolutely as he always does he's a phenomenal driver but like you said it it was good to see Danny Rick make his way into the top five right top five yeah so actually um Lando finished fourth Daniel Mm -hmm. finished fifth and you are correct that McLaren jumped Alpine in the constructors uh, constructors standings they are in fourth with 129 points and Alpine is right behind them in fifth with 125 so it's still close, but that is a huge win in McLaren's it's a huge books. swing. That's a huge yeah. swing. And and we know that the prize money, there, there's a significant difference in prize money between those two places. That would be huge for them, you know, knowing in the future, hey, that one of the races that we shouldn't have won, we just got points at. That'll hopefully motivate them and make that midfield battle much more inter- interesting as the year goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just, I think, a good win for Daniel. I think we've been waiting all season for him to just like have a win. (laughs) And I think today was that win. Hopefully that just like gives him more encouragement, helps just pump up the vibes on that side of the garage and send him out on a better note. Um, But I was happy to see. And I know it wasn't strictly because of his performance today that he was in that spot, but I still was like, crying inside like happy tears you'll take any wins you can you can get you know sometimes better to be opportunistic than it is to be good so hopefully that'll you know it'll feed into his confidence and next week in japan he'll uh he'll build on it yeah absolutely i hope so too and like you said just really unlucky luck for alpine um alonzo was in a good starting place Ocon not so much but Alonso's engine just went poof, 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 poof. Yep. <laughs> smoke coming out the back. And that was just unlucky. It was actually his 350th race today. I know. Wow. I, I, hey, we call him the old dinosaur on this channel. So <laughs> the fast dinosaur. That's right. But he's, he, he's still an incredible driver for, for his age. It's, it's, in, it's wild to see. And, and had he not had that engine issue, I, I think he would have, at least split the McLarens, maybe even finished ahead of them. I agree. You know, it's, it's wild. And, and hopefully he can get a more reliable car and, and we can see him up near the podium. I would love to see him on the podium this year, you know, outside of the, the, the uh, big three, we haven't seen any team other than Lando stand on the podium. It'd be nice to see an Alpine and, and Esteban or, or uh, Fernando standing on the podium at, at just one point this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be great. And Ocon was having a decent race too. He was kind of making his way up, but then just again, the water was an issue. He went right into the barriers, and because of that, then his race was over. So unlucky. Did he crashed into who crashed into Zhou Guan Yu? Was that Alex? Oh, that was Nicholas Latifi. It was Nick Latifi. Yeah. <laughs> and he admitted on his radio again. We heard him. I didn't see him there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the replay of that, and that ended uh, Guan Yu Zhou's race, his first ever race in Singapore. That's and, a shame. Yeah, it, his whole family was there too, which Ugh. I felt so bad. That's, um, that's tough. Yeah, but yeah, again, Nicholas Latifi, just another reason why he shouldn't be in a car. Like an excuse of I didn't see him multiple times in an entire mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Like. Are you are you even looking at this point? <laughs> like, well, you, you have to have that like heightened spatial awareness that all these drivers have, but it seems like Nick is kind of lagging behind in that skill. And that's why, yeah, we hear these things. I didn't see him, but you know, at some point you have to expect when somebody's next to you and mm-hmm. he just doesn't have that. And it's a shame that it ended Joe's race because he was he was racing pretty well. He was, yeah. So uh, let's talk about Ferrari. Because there wasn't much talk about them really until the end of the race. They kind of were just happy where they were sitting. Shaw Leclerc, unfortunately, just not a great start. Lots of tire spin. And I mean, there's not much you can do about that. When the track is wet, it is what it is. Um, His reaction time was actually faster than Sergio Perez's. But because of the tire spin, it just it kind of ruined his start and Sergio just took advantage of that, went right in there. Then I thought he might even lose more spaces. Um, There's a lot of calamity going on in the beginning. What did you think about the start today? And, you know, I think it's a shame because the way that track is set up, if it's raining, it's actually much more beneficial to be in that second spot than it is to be in the first spot. Because Charles, yes, he's ahead of him, but he's got to cut across to the right in order to make that first left hand turn. And you know, as you saw, he had just the slightest wheel spin and Checo's already in line to make that. He's already in the racing line. All he has to do is drive straight. I think, you know, that's something they should maybe reconsider for that track, maybe giving that uh, P1 spot a little bit more advantageous track positioning. But, um, you know, Checo had a great, great start, you know, no wheel spin. It was looked fantastic. Um, and I think, you know, Charles just got beat. And again, it hurt being on the inside. But um, I, you have to give your respect to Checo for holding the lead after all the, the safety cars and restarts. And, you know, to be able to fend Charles off and then build up a big enough gap. It was I think it was one of Checo's best races. Yeah. And signs got lucky too. Hamilton didn't have the best start. They actually hit each other into turn one, mm-hmm. um, which caused Hamilton to go wide. Um, no investigation need, in needed for that, but um, signs held in there. He really held his place and it, like, it's tricky to get off that line. You're running on a wet track. And also I think it's interesting because this is a street track cars are driving on this road specifically every day of the year. So there's already oil and some sort of rubber laid down on this track. So I think that's something like important to remember. They were saying it a lot during the race, like, oh, this this track is greasy. And that's because it's a it's a road. It's a main all road. All street in circuits, Singapore. exactly. Yeah, all street circuits have that issue, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why rain is so a little bit different when you're on these city circuits. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of a slippier element, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a technical term I just used. Right. Well, hey, I think Checo has shown that he can race well on these on these street circuits. He's won in Monaco, or at least he, I think he's won in Monaco, or he's yes, gotten close. He, he won in Monaco this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. He won in Monaco this year. He's won in Baku as well, street circuit. Now he's won in Singapore. 
you know, he, he is very talented at these street circuits. I don't know what it is. He just, he can kind of step up his focus. And like we said, the street circuits, they have no wiggle room and, you know, you miss a turn, you're going into a wall. And, you know, that's why I just, I have a ton of respect for, for Checo for putting it all together in this race and, and the other street circuits that he's, he's won at. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, like you mentioned at the end, just fending off Charles Leclerc, great job with doing that because it it's, he was so close and they enabled DRS at that point. There were so many times where I was like, Oh, it's there. But in order to pass on this track, you've got to be right on their gearbox mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to be so careful about how you do it, or you're going to end up in the barrier yourself. Yeah. So he really did a great job and then was able to pull that gap out. Unfortunately, I think Charles just, he was on the slicks at that point when he was pushing super hard to try and mm-hmm. fight Perez. Yep. He just wasn't after that. And the he was able to pull that two second gap. That was it. I think Charles tires just completely let out yeah. at that point. And he was just more focused on finishing the race, which is such a shame because Sergio Perez did get a five second penalty mm-hmm. after the race was over almost three hours later we found this out and if Charles would have been just within five seconds of him he could have won the race technically Uh, I just I kept thinking about that after the race I was like oh if you just would have kept that gap and Mm -hmm. he just didn't I think there was a seven seconds between them at the end it's a double-edged sword and you know I think I think you're right in saying that Charles kind of made a mistake of trying to attack too early but I think we're not giving Checo enough credit for the fact that he was told on the radio, hey, you might be getting a penalty. And then he just walked away from an arguably a faster car, right? We know that Checo's a tire whisperer, right? He's always known to take care of him. And I think he he did a really good job of kind of not pushing the tires too hard. And once he once Charles dropped out of that DRS range and, and Checo knew, hey, I might be getting a penalty, he just walked away. And I was really surprised Charles didn't put up more of a fight, but maybe he really was just struggling. And, and every time they cut to him, you could see tail coming out. Yeah. It's tough, but I think more so we just have to respect that the job that Checo put in to be able to, you know, not only keep Charles at bay, but keep him five seconds or, or more behind just to, to guarantee that win. So good mm-hmm. for him. Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people were a little confused slash heated after the race. I also was a little confused when it came up that the FIA would investigate this after the race. Um, and if you don't know what he was be, Perez was being investigated for two instances of safety car infringement. The rule is he needs to stay at least 10 car lengths behind the safety car at all times. He can't go any closer and can't be any further back than that. And apparently and they sir. just can't go further. Right. Yeah. Um, and apparently they witnessed him uh, like break this rule at least twice during the race. And they said they would evaluate it after. And I'm kind of sitting there going, Why? Like if it's such a simple rule as in Isn't like it black car- and white. Yeah, exactly. Right. Why are we waiting? And in fact, it took them almost three hours after the yeah. race. I, I don't understand it. And I heard Martin Brundle say that maybe they needed to get the driver. Um, they needed to talk to him to see exactly, you know, if maybe there was an impediment that he had to slow down and or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, that to me seems like something, like you said, it's black and white and it should be okay this happened therefore this penalty like it should be instantaneous 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So then I was sitting there thinking, okay, well, I'm going to see the results of this race, but I'm going to still sit here going, well, this might not exactly be the actual results. <laughs> so and, this and is fake. I remember this happened to Carlos when he got his first podium. Yes. He, mm -hmm. he found out about it like two hours after, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's such a shame because it was Carlos's first podium. He didn't get to celebrate. And like, that's the kind of stuff we need to, we need to get out of F1. Like, like you said, that, that seemed to be a ruling that should have just been simple black and white instantaneous. I'm not sure why we had to wait three hours. Yeah, after absolutely. The race. And this is just, I think another case of where everyone starts to get frustrated with the FIA. Like yeah. why, why did exactly. that? It's yep. a black and white rule. Right. Like what right. else did you need to know? Yeah. I know. So that's interesting. I think, I think also a little frustrating as a fan mm -hmm. that happened. Mm -hmm. And then you're sitting around after the race going, well, I just saw him win, but I'm still not sure if right. he won. Yeah, Red Bull's <laughs> crossing their fingers two hours after the race to, you know, hope they still have a, another 25 points. But yeah, yeah, hopefully that's stuff that the FIA can learn from. And I think recently they've done a good job of learning from their mistakes. So hopefully they they recognize, okay, this was way too long to, to get a judgment on this and they'll, they'll fix that. Yeah, let's hope so. Also, just like, gold stars for Burt Mylander today like gold stars like how many times paid overtime I'll tell you what <laughs> yeah how many times was he out on that track in that Mercedes what at least four I think it was three three times three or four yeah yeah something like that we had some virtual safety cars mm -hmm. and we had some actual safety cars and that was that's a lot like these guys can barely keep these f1 cars on the track and then he mm -hmm. has to keep that car on the track while backing everybody up and not going yeah. too slow so well, I think I think this this track actually uh, I heard the commentators saying that there has not been a race at Singapore where the safety car wasn't deployed. Yes. That just goes to show you how tough of a track it is. 20 of the best drivers in the world and every single time they've raced there somebody's crashed. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like that's that, that just goes to show you how tough it is on these guys. It is. And like I think like we mentioned before, but the heat doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you're sitting in there trying to concentrate on one of the hardest technical tracks in the world to drive on. And you're also just sweating from every orifice of your Exactly. Body. Oh yeah. It's like tough. I don't know if you saw, but when Alonzo got out of his car, he had to sit along the track, which I loved. He literally was just sitting there watching the race <laughs> like a spectator, but you could see he was drenched. Oh, he was yeah. completely soaked. And yep. we see drivers ice bathing. We see them being sprayed with like mm -hmm. all these liquids to keep them cold, wearing physical ice packs. We saw George being like, what's it called? The dry ice, like blowers they have just yep. pointing it directly at him. I was like, is that, is that safe? We're going to like freeze his limb off. But yeah, it's just, it's a crazy race. I would love to go see it one day. Before we end on talking about the race, I do want to say, um, another team that had some great results, Aston Martin, and was it, it was amazing to see Seb defending against Lewis and Max. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I loved every second of that. Um, it was a sh shame that he couldn't, he couldn't hold both of them off, but, oh, I know. Uh, but he was defending phenomenally. Again, it's a tough track to overtake, but it was, it was so cool to see three of, you know, the best drivers of an era. Right. I mean, yeah. well, I, I guess Max maybe is the next era, but like. Yeah, the three guys who are world champion, phenomenal drivers battling it out. It was it was a shame it wasn't for positions one, two, and three. But still, at the end of the day, we get to see three phenomenal drivers like that battle it out. And 
you know, Lewis making that mistake and, and Max jumping on it. It was, that was really exciting racing. Yeah, it was great. I, I loved it. I feel like we got a, a bit of racing during this whole race, but because of all the safety cars and everything, it got a little crazy, but at the end there, we got some good battles and I, I loved every second of that. And Seb just great performance from Aston Martin as a whole, again, another mm-hmm. decent weekend for them. Um, and I, I think we do need to bring up Lance Stroll finishing P six. Is that right? I am looking right now. Oh, I'm looking at the, uh, yeah. yes. Lance Stroll finished P six and Sebastian Vettel finished P eight. Great points. Uh, yeah. I think, I, I think that this year Lance has, has done, especially recently, he's done a better, he, he's out qualified and he's outperformed Seb. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people don't like him and, you know, there's the, the pay driver, um, which, you know, he is, but at the end of the day, I do think he is a deep driver and he's showing that, you know, he can, he can drag that car into points because it isn't a great car. Um, but the fact that he finished sixth and again, you know, he's opportun- he was opportunistic just like the McLarens were, but um, I, I was really impressed at the fact that he, he ended up holding off sixth place. Yeah. I think so too. It just great thing. Like great things are coming from that team. Um, hopefully this is making Fernando Alonso feel a little bit better about mm-hmm. going to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that whole team and Lawrence Stroll have promised big things and big plans for that team. Um, and they're, they've had a slow progression over this year. Um, they started off absolute garbage. Um, mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say they're amazing right now, but they have shown improvement which is good um better than nothing for sure improvement and lots of money and that's exactly what they have and you know i i don't think they're going to be competing for wins Mm -hmm. certainly not this year and probably not next year but you would hope that um with enough development enough money that that lawrence is putting into the team will actually see another powerhouse team that can produce a winning car i hope so i really do well it was a good race i even though it was long and we had the rain delay. I thought it was still interesting. I think the safety cars spiced everything up and kept my mm-hmm. attention. Cause there were definitely times where I was like, I remember we made it to 30 laps and there was another safety car. And I was like, Oh my God, we're only halfway through. Once we hit 30 laps, I was like, okay, we're, we're going to hit a time limit before we actually finish it, finish this race. Yeah. And I watched it later in the day um, because I, I was going to get up and then I was so exhausted. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this later. And I'm glad I did, or else I would have been sitting around for a rain delay situation. <laughs> and I would have been so mad. Also, I definitely would have been passed out. I would have never been awake in the race to begin with. We are at the ending portion of our podcast, but I think a lot of people's favorites portion. We have meme of the week. Matt, that's right. Bring it to us. <laughs> well, memers, meme lords, meme lords. Meme lords. <laughs> I got a, I got a good one, um, and we we kind of talked about it. You'll have to go to our Twitter page to to take a look. But uh, once Checo found out he had a penalty, he. Uh, he walked away. We said he, you know, he really sped it up and was able to pull away. And somebody made a meme of uh, Star Wars light speed. And it says Perez after being told about a possible penalty, which I thought was a good one because, man, did he take off ludicrous speed. What do, you, what do they call it? 
in Star Wars. I should know this. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Light speed, light speed. They go into light speed. Yeah, it, it was literally like that when he, because yeah. at first I was watching it and I was like, oh, LeClaire will definitely be able to keep within five seconds of him. And then all of a sudden I just saw the seconds ticking up and up yeah. and up. And I was like, what is going on? So at one point I was just waiting for Charles to pass him because he was right on his gearbox. And then all of a sudden Checo said, nope, see ya. Yeah. So if you want to see that meme and share it with all of your F1 friends, you can go check our Twitter account at Mr. and Mrs. F1 pod. Um, or I will also post it somewhere because this is a video now. <laughs> I'll put right. it here on the screen so you can check that out. Um, and I'll post it on our Instagram as well at Mr. and Mrs. F1 Pod. Um, now for admin of the week, my favorite, my favorite portion of this whole podcast. You get to do memes, I get to do admins. <laughs> I give an award for the best admin of the week every week, who I think has earned the fans' love and support. And this weekend, AlphaTauri just, wow. First of all, they've always been very good with serving us like Pierre and Yuki friendship love. <laughs> I love that. Um, you don't think those two would be friends because they're just such different people and personalities, mm -hmm. but they are hilarious together. They posted this cute picture of both Yuki and Pierre in ice baths, like sitting across from each other in ice baths, which is phenomenal and then they also posted a um youtube video where pierre is feeding yuki like food but yuki's blindfolded um and it's just the cutest most wholesome friendship moment ever romance and yes it's such a little bromance <laughs> that i think no one expected and alpha tauri just with the content this week for singapore and featuring these two lovely drivers of theirs just gold star you get an award admin. Give someone a raise. Yeah, give someone a raise. Alpha Tauri gets them the admin of the week award. So, well, that's all we have for you today for the podcast. Thank you all for sticking around. I know we haven't put out a show in two, three weeks just because of our lives craziness. It's been crazy over here at the Gable House. Sure has. Gable Houses. Do we have two now? Is that how we this do. works? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but thank you guys for being patient with us and thank you for being patient with us as we go forward, as we live in different states and move. And we're so excited to show you Boston when we're both there um, and take you on this little journey with us. So thank you. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with all of your F1 friends and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. Um, also, you can find us on all social media at Mr. and Mrs. F1 pod, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and this podcast that your ears are listening to now is a live video on our YouTube page. Amazing. Right. We're, we're now going to have this now since we're recording on Zoom, since we're apart. So make sure to check it out and you can put a face to the names that you hear on this show. So from Pennsylvania, thank you. <laughs> and from Boston, see you guys next week when we talk see about next, Japan. Yes. See, see you next week and in Japan. Bye-bye. <laughs>